Throughout this episode, you'll hear occasional dynamically placed advertisements as well as host-read ads by me promoting the work of my sponsors, similar to what you'd experience when you're binging your favorite YouTube content. If you find the ads disruptive, consider joining my community on Patreon. Premium submarines receive full-length ad-free episodes, hundreds of hours of bonus content, and the ability to connect and chat with other listeners. To learn more, visit patreon.com slash backfromtheborderline. Welcome to Back From The Borderline. I'm your host, Molly, and I don't want to talk to your personality. I want to talk to your soul. The idea of alchemy is to reduce something with fire, burning it down so that something new can rise from the ashes. You can do this with your personality too. You can perform emotional alchemy. You've always had the power. You just didn't know that. And now you do. The medical model of mental illness tries to convince us that the root of our suffering is due to chemical imbalances in our broken brains, and that the best we can hope for is to numb or suppress the symptoms of these disorders, dysfunctions, and imbalances into remission. The definition of savior is one that saves from danger or destruction. What if we viewed our symptoms as saviors? Through this new lens, we can begin to see painful mental health symptoms as natural responses that we can learn to become fully conscious of and slowly change. On this podcast, you'll learn to view your symptoms as saviors, as alerts from your body, mind, and spirit that want to let you know when you're out of alignment with the deepest yearnings of your soul. From chaos comes clarity. Through working and integrating the concepts we'll explore together, you'll emerge transformed, standing in the ashes of the person you used to be. Returning listeners, welcome back, and new listeners, welcome. I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so if you don't want to miss that, make sure that you follow the podcast on your favorite podcast app. So without further ado, let's get straight into today's episode. Welcome back, everyone. We're here for another episode of Back from the Borderline, and today's episode is going to be a heavy one, so prepare yourself for that. might bring up a lot of emotions that you didn't even know existed. This episode was inspired by a post I made on Instagram this week, and if you'd like to check that out, you can just go to Back from the Borderline on Instagram. Join the community there. I post every day. And the way that I post on Instagram is I usually post a series of images in a carousel, whether that be quotes from movies and shows, books, whatever I'm reading at the time. I mix it in with memes. And it's a really archetypal approach. Oftentimes, images and words combined together can evoke deep longings and feelings and wounds. And on Instagram this week, I posted a series of images and quotes that allude to something called the mother wound. And this post absolutely exploded with so many comments 
And the majority of the comments were like, whoa, this touched something in me that I didn't even know was there. And that is very common for discussions around the mother wound. Now, this episode is going to revolve around a lot of like feminine archetypal energies, but I want to preface this with the statement that it doesn't matter what your gender is when it comes to discussing things like this. All of us have feminine and masculine archetypal energies within us, and it's very important to be in touch with both of those aspects of ourselves in a way that is integrated, because otherwise those types of energies come out of us from a shadow aspect, which you'll understand in a more deep and meaningful way as we explore this concept together. I want to give a huge shout out to Bethany Webster, whose work around the mother wound is what I used to draw from for the content of this episode. And I will link to Bethany's website for you to further explore her work. I want to tell you a bit about Bethany because I believe that knowing the person that this work came from and originated with is really important. Bethany didn't invent the mother wound. This is an age-old archetype and energy that has existed for as long as human beings have been around. But what she did was shed light on this issue and give it language. And as many of you know who listen to this podcast, finding language for some of these internal struggles that we have is incredibly powerful and empowering because it makes us feel like, ah, that's it. And that's what I saw in that post this week on Instagram was, oh, this is what's going on. I had no idea I was struggling with this. So I'm just going to read a bit about Bethany so that you can have an understanding of where this information that I will be diving into is coming from. From what I'm reading, Bethany was inspired by this topic and she wrote an article about why it's crucial to heal the mother wound. And she just put it out there and woke up the next morning and saw that it had been shared thousands of times. And so she clearly tapped into a deep need and longing that so many people were experiencing and couldn't give voice to, which is ironically what I experienced when I made that post about the mother wound on my Instagram. It just exploded with comments and engagement and so many people saying, oh, this is what's going on with me. So Bethany also wrote a book that teaches us how to discover our inner mother as a source of wisdom and power and to cultivate a lifelong practice of what she calls inner mothering that constantly opens us up to ever deeper levels of healing and unapologetic self-ownership. And I'm going to be linking all of Bethany's resources in the show notes. So if after this episode, you want to dive deeper by her book, you can do that by clicking the links in the show notes. I'll make it very easy for you. This concept of inner mothering is echoed throughout various therapeutic modalities, right? You hear all about the inner child, reparenting the inner child, becoming your own good enough parent, right? This is something that's very common in various different 
therapeutic practices because it's important, right? At the end of the day, we have to move from different life phases and a lot of psychological suffering from my own experience and my own research, which has been extensive at this point, our suffering mainly comes from being arrested. And there's a a phrase called arrested development, right? It means that you are stuck in maybe a, a phase of life that you need to move through. And as humans, there are different developmental tasks that we have to accomplish in infancy, toddlerhood, and then adolescence, et cetera, et cetera, right? I'm probably missing a few of the different stages. But the point being that people end up struggling with quote-unquote mental health symptoms because they've experienced arrested development. They've not been able to move from child to adult. And there are various different developmental tasks that we have to achieve as people to be able to move smoothly through these phases. So a bit about Bethany's credentials. She writes, I have a master's degree in psychology as well as 22 years in long-term depth psychotherapy. She's completed life coaching training and prior to coaching as a graduate student, she focused on social psychology research on the intersection of race, class, and gender. And post-grad school, she worked in academia in the area of research ethics and also as a writer and editor at the Whale Cornell Medical Center in New York City. So long story short, Bethany has done the work. She cites many of her influences as Gabor Mate, Marion Woodman, who's one of my personal heroes, James Hollis. These two people are massively influential Jungian analysts. She loves bell hooks, John Bradshaw, one of the founding fathers of the self-help movement, Gabor Mate, who many of you know, I love and adore his work. And of course, Peter Levine, who is massively influential when it comes to the study of trauma and how that's held in our bodies. And a last disclaimer, I've touched on this a bit in this intro, but in a lot of Bethany's work, which I'm going to be citing, she talks about mother-daughter dynamics, but I know my listener base very well, and I know that each of them are very capable of critical and nuanced thought. And say, for instance, you do not have a mother-daughter dynamic with your mother, You can use your imagination and apply these concepts to your specific relationship with your mother and your own gender identity. As I mentioned, we all have feminine and masculine aspects within ourselves. And so each and every one of us can relate to many of these concepts. The core issue at the center of women's empowerment is the mother wound. Difficulty and challenges between mothers and daughters are rampant and widespread, but not openly spoken about. There's a certain taboo about speaking about the pain of the mother wound, and that taboo and keeping it in the shadows is what keeps it in place and keeps it hidden. And just like a wound that is left without being cleaned or cauterized, it festers within us. The mother wound is the pain of being a woman passed down through generations of women in patriarchal cultures, and it includes the dysfunctional coping mechanisms that are used to process that pain. So the mother wound includes the pain of comparison, like not feeling good enough, 
shame, which is a consistent background sense that there's something wrong with you. Attenuation, which is a feeling that you need to remain small in order to be loved. A sense of guilt, which is a persistent sense of guilt for wanting more than you currently have. And the mother wound can manifest within us as not being our full selves because we don't want to threaten other people, having a high tolerance for poor treatment from others, emotional caretaking of other people, feeling competitive with others, specifically feeling competitive as a woman with other women, patterns of self-sabotage, being overly rigid and dominating, or dysfunctional patterns of behavior like eating disorders, depression, and addictions, and other compulsive behaviors. We live and have lived in a very patriarchal, male-dominated culture, and I want to reiterate that this patriarchal culture impacts everyone across the gender spectrum, including men. And living in this patriarchal, male-dominated culture, women are conditioned to think of themselves as less than and not deserving or worthy. And this feeling of less than has been internalized and passed down through countless generations. It's important to really understand that and how it's impacted everyone. If we internalize our mother's unconscious beliefs, which is some subtle form of I'm not good enough, right? Then we have our mother's approval, but in some way we've betrayed ourselves and our potential. The cultural atmosphere of female oppression specifically puts daughters in a double bind. But however, if we don't internalize our mother's unconscious beliefs and our own limitations, but rather affirm our own power and potential, we're aware that our mothers might unconsciously see this as a personal rejection. So because we don't want to risk losing our mother's love and approval, we internalize these limiting unconscious beliefs as a form of fucked up loyalty and emotional survival. It actually might feel dangerous for us to actualize our full potential because it might mean risking some form of rejection by our mother. This is because we might unconsciously sense that our full empowerment might trigger our mother's sadness or rage at having had to give up parts of herself in her own life. Our compassion for our mothers, our desires to please her, and a fear of conflict with our mothers might cause us to convince ourselves that it's safer to shrink and remain small in order to maintain our mother's love. A common objection to facing the mother wound is to leave the past in the past. You hear that all the time. But we never truly escape or bury the past. 
it lives in the present as the obstacles and challenges that we face every single day as adult children. And if we avoid with dealing with this pain associated with one of the most primary and foundational relationships in our lives, we're missing a pivotal opportunity to discover the truth of who we are and to authentically and joyfully live that truth. It's really important that we talk about some of the stereotypes that allow the mother wound to live on collectively within all of us. Stereotypes about motherhood and the role of the daughter or child often perpetuate and exacerbate this wound. So these thoughts or phrases are some examples. You might have heard some of them yourself from others or directly from your own mother. Look at everything your mother did for you. My mother sacrificed so much for me. I'd be so selfish to do what she could not do. I don't want to make her feel bad. I owe loyalty to my mother no matter what. If I upset her, she'll think that I don't value her. Some of these things might have come up in your own inner monologue. You might have heard them from others like other family members or directly from your own mother. And she may have heard them from her mother and her mother, etc., etc. So we might experience fears about fulfilling our potential because we might fear leaving our mother behind. We might fear our mother feeling threatened by our dreams or ambitions. We've all sensed the pain that our mothers carry. All of us are suspicious to some degree that we're partly to blame for that pain. And that is the core wound. That's where our subconscious guilt really lives. And this makes sense when we consider the limited cognitive development of a child. A child sees itself as the cause of all things. So many young children, when their parents divorce, they actually believe that it's their own fault. When we're children, it's much easier for us in our limited cognitive capacity to think that it's all our fault when bad things happen. We don't have the cognitive abilities to understand nuance and to understand archetypal energies like I'm describing now. And this is where a lot of our shame is developed when we're little. And when we start to become conscious of this, it's incredibly freeing. But the problem is, is that if we don't directly address these unconscious beliefs as an adult, we're walking around with it and greatly limiting ourselves as a result. No child can save her mother. No sacrifice we ever make will be enough to compensate for the high price our mothers have had to pay or the losses that our mothers have accrued over the years. Simply by existing as a woman and mother in the culture they grew up in. And yet, many of us do this for our mothers unconsciously in childhood. We unconsciously make a decision to not abandon or betray our mothers by becoming too successful, too smart, too beautiful, too adventurous, too big, right? So we want to keep ourselves small. 
And this decision as children is made out of love, loyalty, and a true need for approval and emotional support from our mothers. We need that to survive. Many of us confuse being loyal to our mothers with being loyal to our mother's wounds. And this is how we become complicit in our own oppression and the oppression of our mother as a result. And these dynamics are incredibly unconscious and they operate on a continuum. They're unconscious by proof of my Instagram post. The amount of comments that I received of saying, I had no idea. This, this just gave me a huge, very sad and painful epiphany. That's good. It hurts, but it's good. Because becoming conscious to things, bringing things out of the shadows and into the light is how we heal them. Even the most healthy and supportive mother-child relationships may have this dynamic to some degree by virtue of simply being women in this society. So specifically for daughters who have mothers with serious issues like addictions, mental illness, etc., the impact can be very, very damaging and very insidious. And when I mean insidious, I mean it's lurking behind the shadows. It's not obvious. Being a mother in our society is unspeakably difficult. Bethany Webster says that she's heard many women say, no one ever tells you how hard it is or nothing prepares you for when you get home with a baby and realize what is being asked of you. And our culture, especially in the United States, is very hard on mothers. It offers very little support and many women are raising children entirely alone. Our society's unspoken messages to mothers perpetuate oppression. Some of these unspoken messages given to mothers in our society are things like, if motherhood is difficult, then it's your own fault. Shame on you if you're not superhuman. There are natural mothers for whom motherhood is easy, and if you're not one of these, there's something deeply wrong with you. Or you're supposed to be capable of handling it all with ease, having well-behaved children, being sexually attractive, having a successful career, and a solid marriage, right? These are impossible standards to live up to. I just recently watched the most um, recent series of this toxic trash reality TV show, Love is Blind. And I hate watch a lot of reality TV because it's a really interesting opportunity to just kind of like psychoanalyze people, um, putting aside the trauma that people on reality TV go through. But there were two people on the most recent series named Micah and Paul. And on the last couple of episodes, Paul made a statement that he ended up not choosing Micah in this reality show because he felt like he couldn't see her being a mother. He didn't think that she was very maternal. And hearing that was like a stab in my own heart because I can't imagine how painful that must be to hear, period, but to have that blasted on national TV is incredibly traumatizing. And it's a really good example of these unspoken messages that mothers get in society. For mothers who have sacrificed so much to have children in our culture, it can really feel like a rejection 
when your child surpasses or exceeds the dreams that you thought were possible for yourself. There might be a sense from these mothers of feeling owed something, entitled or needing to be validated by your children, which can often manifest from our mothers as a very subtle but powerful form of manipulation. And this dynamic can cause the next generation of children to keep themselves small so that their mothers can continue to feel validated and affirmed in their identity as a mother. This is an identity that many women have sacrificed so much for, but received so little support and recognition for in return. This brings us to a discussion about mothers and displaced rage. Mothers may unconsciously project deep rage toward their children in very subtle ways, but the rage isn't really towards the children. The rage is actually towards the patriarchal society that requires women to sacrifice and utterly deplete themselves in order to mother a child. For a child who needs their mother, sacrificing themselves in an effort to somehow ease their mother's pain is often a subconscious decision made very early in life and not discovered as the cause of underlying issues until much later when we are adults. The mother wound exists because there's not a safe place for mothers to process their rage about the sacrifices that society has demanded of them. So then it continues to exist, this mother wound, because as children, we're still unconsciously fearing that rejection for not choosing to make those same sacrifices as the previous generations of mothers. Does that make sense? Is any of this resonating for you? Did you grow up feeling like you had to keep yourself small and that you were always a bit too much for your mother, that your accomplishments may have subtly annoyed your mother, that you don't get congratulated by your mother, you feel that you're maybe threatening her? It's a very, very painful experience and it causes us to hold ourselves back from our own potential. So instead of feeling like we are being given a leg up by our mother, imagine, you know, when you're, you're seeing someone like launch you over a fence or cheerleaders holding their feet. (laughs) This is the mad, the image I'm getting, you know, when cheerleaders are like, you kind of put someone's foot in your hand and you shoot them up. That's what we want from our mothers, right? We want them to, to give us a leg up. Instead, you might have this unconscious feeling of feeling like, You're in a zombie movie with your mother's energy, like dragging you back down into the hole of zombies. I know this isn't a very eloquent example, but for me, visualizations are really powerful. And what you're supposed to feel from your ancestors and your family line is this pushing you up, pushing you forward. And so many of us have that unconscious sense of feeling dragged down by the zombie pile. As we mentioned before, In society now, there's no safe place for a mother to vent her rage, and they often don't know how to. So often that rage comes out unconsciously towards their children. And a child is a very potent target for a mother's rage, specifically a daughter, because 
that daughter has not yet had to give up her personhood for motherhood. And so that young daughter might remind the mother of her unlived potential. And if the daughter feels worthy enough to reject some of the patriarchal mandates that the mother has had to swallow herself, then it's very triggering of that underground rage for the mother and why it's particularly hard for mothers and daughters. You might have grown up in an environment where your mother was very kind to the son in her life, and you might feel like the black sheep as or the scapegoat as the daughter. And it's because you are more triggering as a woman for your mother. The thing is, most mothers do want what's best for their children. But if a mother has not dealt consciously with her pain or come to terms with her sacrifices, then her support for her child is going to be laced with traces of messages that subtly instill shame, guilt, or obligation. And these Subtle messages, these poisonous messages that often our mothers aren't even conscious of, they seep out into the most innocent of situations, usually in the form of subtle criticism or some form of bringing praise back to themselves as the mother. This can look like, you know, if let's say a child is a really accomplished pianist. A mother might say, you know, she wouldn't be where she is without me, that kind of thing. I took her to all of her lessons and really owning that success for herself rather than allowing her child to really feel accomplished as an individual. It's not usually the content of the statements made, but rather the energy with which these subtle poisonous messages are conveyed that carry a hidden sense of resentment. So if you've grown up just feeling like little comments that your mom made have a bit of a negative charge to them, a bit of a resentful, jealous kind of charge, if you feel that, if you sense that, you're not crazy, you don't have to feel guilty about it, and that is the mother wound at work. So how can mothers help heal the mother wound? The way for a mother to prevent directing her rage to her daughter or child and passing down that mother wound is one, for the mother to fully grieve and mourn her own losses, and two, to make sure that she's not relying on her daughter as her main source of emotional support. It's essential for mothers to mourn what they had to give up what they wanted but will never have, what their children can never give them, and the injustice of their situation. For mothers, it takes tremendous strength and integrity to do this, and mothers need support in this process. But it's important to know that it's not your job to take that emotional labor on to fix or save your mother. I want to reiterate that. Mothers liberate their children, when they consciously process their own pain without making it their daughter's problem. And in this way, mothers free their children to pursue their dreams without guilt, shame, or a sense of obligation. As unjust and unfair as motherhood is, 
It's not the responsibility of you as a child to make amends for your mother's losses or feel obligated to sacrifice yourself the same ways as your mother sacrificed herself. When mothers unwittingly and unconsciously cause their children to feel responsible for their losses and to share in their pain, it creates a dysfunctional enmeshment and it reinforces the child's view that they're not worthy of their dreams. This supports the child's view that their mother's pain must somehow be their fault. And this internalized shame cripples many of us in so many ways. And for children, regardless of gender, growing up in a patriarchal culture, there is a sense of having to choose between being empowered and being loved by the people who gave birth to us. This is an impossible situation to be put in. And most children choose to be loved instead of empowered because there is a sense of ominous feeling that being fully actualized and empowered might cause a grave loss of love from the most important people in our lives and specifically our mothers. So we choose to stay small. We choose to stay unfulfilled. And this choice by us means that we continue to unconsciously pass the mother wound to the next generation. Women often feel that there is a vague but powerful sense that our empowerment will injure our relationships, that our empowerment will keep us from being truly loved. Women are taught to value relationships over everything else. We cling to the crumbs of our relationships while our souls might be deeply longing for the fulfillment of our potential and our dreams. But the truth is, is that our relationships alone can never adequately substitute for the hunger to live our lives fully. That's so important for you to internalize. Your relationships will never adequately substitute for the hunger to live your life fully. This is how people end up getting married, having three kids in their 20s. And then when they wake up in their 40s, they realize that they haven't done anything with their own dreams. Maybe they wanted to be an author and they have all of these ideas for a book, but instead they convince themselves that because they have kids, they don't have the luxury of pursuing their dreams when in fact they absolutely do. There are mothers every day that move to the city and pursue their passion of being an author. And it's actually much more beneficial for a child to witness their mother voraciously pursuing their dreams while still doing their best as a mother rather than having a resentful bitter mother who feels like she just completely had to give up everything for her child this reminds me of the quote and bethany webster shares it in her work too it's one of my favorite quotes it goes and the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. And this quote is by Anais Nin. 
So there is a certain power struggle behind the mother wound and the power dynamic at the center of the mother-child relationship is a taboo subject. And by that, I mean, it's a hush-hush, don't talk about it, but it exists in the shadows. It's the elephant in the room. And those shadowy subjects that we don't talk about are often the ones that destroy our ability to find psychological well-being that keep us sick, keep us disempowered. And that power dynamic at the center of the mother-child relationship is at the core of the mother wound. And much of this goes underground because of the many taboos and stereotypes about motherhood in our culture. Some of these stereotypes about motherhood that reinforce the mother wound are mothers are always nurturing and loving. Mothers should never feel angry or resentful towards their children. Mothers and children are supposed to be best friends, especially mothers and daughters. There's that pressure. Notice in these statements, the splitting nature, the dichotomous thinking, and the shoulds, right? Mothers are always nurturing. Mothers should not feel angry. Mothers and daughters should be best friends. The shoulds and the always are where you really see the insidious natures of these statements that are drip-fed into all of us all the time through culture, media. There's so many of these messages that we're not conscious of, but we're being shoved down our throats from the moment that we were born and the moment that our mothers were born and their mothers and their mothers. And the stereotype that all mothers should be loving all the time strips mothers of their full humanity. And since women are not given permission to be full human beings as mothers in this society, society feels justified in not providing full respect, support, and resources to mothers. And the truth is that mothers are human beings, and all mothers have unloving moments or angry moments. It's true that there are mothers who are simply unloving most of the time. Whether because of addiction, struggles with mental health, or things like that. Until we're willing to face these uncomfortable realities, the mother wound is going to stay in the shadow and continue to be passed through generations. We all have patriarchy in us to some degree. We've had to eat it to survive in this culture, regardless of what your gender is. And when we're ready to confront that fully in ourselves and shed light on it, we can also confront it in others, including our own mothers. And this can be one of the most heart-wrenching of all the situations we have to face. And unless we're willing to go there to really address the mother wound, we are paying the highest possible price for the illusion of peace and empowerment. So what is this high price that you're paying? The cost of not healing the mother wound is living your life indefinitely with a vague, persistent sense that there's something wrong with you, never actualizing your potential out of fear of failure or disapproval, having weak boundaries and an unclear sense of who you are, 
not feeling worthy or capable of creating what you really, really desire, not feeling safe enough to take up space and voice your truth, arranging your entire life around not rocking the boat, self-sabotage when you get really close to a breakthrough or really making something happen for yourself, living out your dreams, unconsciously waiting for your mother's permission or approval before claiming your own life. Does any of that resonate with you? There is so much talk in our culture right now, specifically now in 2023 and the last few years about embodying the divine feminine and being an awakened woman. But the reality is we can't be a strong container of the power of this divine feminine energy if we haven't addressed the places within us where we have felt banished and in exile from that feminine energy. Our first encounter with that goddess-like energy that is alive in the universe was with our mothers. And until we have the courage to break that taboo and face the pain we've experienced in relation to our mothers... The divine feminine is another form of a fairy tale, a fantasy of rescue by a mother who is not coming, going back to an empty well, hoping that there will be water there, hoping that there will be love there, and continuing to break our own hearts, going in search of love that was never there in the first place. And this keeps us in spiritual immaturity. The key is, is that we have to separate our human mother from the archetype in order to be true carriers of this energy. What do I mean by that? We have to understand the archetypal nature of the mother wound and separate ourselves from thinking this is just you. There's something wrong with you, or you have a particularly horrible mother and there's no hope and change, understanding that this is an archetypal energy that has existed for as long as human beings have existed is very liberating. Yes, initially it's painful because you can understand how the mother wound may may have held you back in your life, held your mother back and her mother back, but understanding that this is something that's universal and capable of healing is very empowering. We have to deconstruct the faulty structures within us before we can truly build new structures to hold it. And until we do this, we remain stuck in a kind of limbo where our empowerment is short-lived and the only explanation for our predicament that seems to make sense is to blame ourselves. If we avoid acknowledging the full impact of our mother's pain in our lives, we still remain to some degree, as children. So we're adults, but we're really just children. And John Bradshaw, one of the founders of the self-help movement, he made a statement in a lecture I listened to him give a while back. It's from old, from the 90s. It was on YouTube. And he said, he realized in his recovery that he was being raised by 
a 130-pound two-year-old. And that was in reference to his mother. And think about it. How many of us were raised by six foot four, 250 pound our dad, but still trapped as a eight-year-old boy, venting out his unprocessed rage and grief on his children. And then we grow up to do that to our children. Same thing with our mothers. And when you really look at it this way, we idealize our parents so much. But then when you really see that how many of them are arrested in their development and completely stop developing as an emotional being, as children, it can really give you some perspective. And it makes it a very urgent task for you to become conscious of this to make sure that you are not also stuck as an adult child. And you can't save your parent. You can't force them to continue their psychological and emotional development, but you can recognize the patterns in yourself and make sure that the cycle stops with you. Coming into full empowerment requires looking at our relationship with our mothers and having the courage to separate out our own individual beliefs, values, and thoughts from hers. It requires feeling the grief of having to witness the pain our mothers endured and processing our own legitimate pain of what we endured as a result of our mother projecting their pain onto us unconsciously. And this is so challenging, but this is the beginning of true freedom and liberation for you. And once we feel that pain and have the courage to go there, it can be transformed and it will cease creating obstacles and suffering in our lives. This is what my entire podcast is about. Emotional alchemy. Reducing something with fire so that something new can rise from the ashes. This is the essence of healing the mother wound. This is the essence of emotional alchemy. The mother wound isn't something we need to avoid or feel shame about. It is a doorway to our full power and potential. As we heal the mother wound, the power dynamic is increasingly resolved because we're no longer asking each other to stay small to ease our pain. The pain of living in patriarchy ceases to be a taboo. We don't have to pretend and hide behind the false masks that hide our pain under a facade of effortlessly having it all together. The pain can be seen as legitimate. We can embrace that pain, feel it, process it, and integrate it, and ultimately transform it into wisdom and power. Once we process the pain of the mother wound, we can create safe spaces for adult children to express the truth of their pain and receive support, which is what I'm really trying to do with my own work here on this podcast and what Bethany Webster has done brilliantly with her work on the mother wound as well. And think about ways that you, the listener right now, how you can contribute to that work too. This healing work allows mothers and their children to be able to communicate with each other without fear that the truth of their feelings will break their relationships The pain no longer needs to go underground and into the shadows where it manifests as manipulation, competition, and self-hatred. 
Our pain can be grieved fully so that it can turn into love, a love that manifests as fierce support of one another and deep self-acceptance freeing us to be boldly authentic, creative, and truly fulfilled, free to pursue our dreams. And when we heal the mother wound, we begin to grasp the stunning degree of impact a mother's well-being has on the life of her child, especially in early childhood, when the child and mother are still a very singular unit. Our mothers form the very basis of who we become. Our beliefs start out as her beliefs. Our habits start out as her habits. And some of this is so unconscious and fundamental, it's barely perceivable, which is why so many of us just have this feeling of emptiness, this feeling of longing, this feeling of not belonging, of self-hatred, because it's lurking under the surface. We don't have a name for it. So we think something must be wrong with us. And when we don't talk about things together, then we are sure that it's just us feeling that way. The beautiful part about the comments on my mother wound post on Instagram was so many people commented and said, this is so liberating for me because I genuinely, number one, didn't know what this was until I read about it now here on this post. And two, I feel so accepted and freed in a sense by seeing all the comments because I'm not alone in this. The mother wound is ultimately not about your mother. It's about embracing yourself and your own gifts without shame. We address the mother wound because it's a critical part of self-actualization and saying yes to being the powerful and potent human beings that we are being called to become. And healing the mother wound is ultimately about acknowledging and honoring the foundation our mothers provided for our lives so that we can then fully focus on creating the unique lives that we authentically desire and know that we're capable of creating. So what are some of the benefits of healing the mother wound? Healing the mother wound means that you can start developing the fluency and skill in handling your emotions and seeing them as a source of wisdom and information rather than things that you need to suppress, repress, or that are ruining your lives. As I've talked about so often on this podcast, our symptoms can be saviors. They can be knocks at the door, as Dr. Lisa Miller explains. They are trying to give us messages, but so many of us want to split off from our emotions and see them as bad, which if you really think about it, that's an example of arrested development, right? My feelings are bad. I don't want to feel them. It's very childish, right? So healing the mother wound allows us to truly grow up. Also, healing the mother wound allows us to have healthy boundaries that support the actualization of our highest and best self. Healing the mother wound helps us develop a solid inner mother that provides unconditional love, support, and comfort to our younger parts. It allows us to know ourselves as competent, feeling that anything is possible and being open to miracles and good things. Healing the mother wound allows us to be in constant contact with our inner goodness and our ability to bring it back into everything that we do. It allows us to develop a deeper compassion for ourselves, other people, for our children, 
It allows us to not take ourselves too seriously, helps us no longer need external validation to feel okay within ourselves. We feel less of a need to prove ourselves to others. It allows us to trust life to bring us what we need. It allows us to feel safe in our own skin and a freedom to be ourselves and so much more. And as we engage in this healing process, we slowly remove the thick fog of projection that keeps us stuck and we can more clearly see, appreciate, and love ourselves. We no longer carry the burden of our mother's pain and keep ourselves small as a result. For every human being, the very first wound of the heart was at the sight of the mother, the feminine. And through the process of healing that wound, our hearts graduate from a compromised state of defensiveness, shame, self-sabotage, and fear to an entirely new level of love and power, which connects us to the divine heart of love itself. From then on, we're connected to the archetypal collective heart that lives in all beings. We're carriers and transmitters of the true compassion and love that the world needs right now. And in this way, the mother wound is actually an opportunity and an initiation into the divine feminine. And this is why it's so crucial for us as adult children to heal the mother wound. Our personal healing and reconnection to the heart of life by way of the feminine affects and supports our collective evolution. This is arguably the most impactful and important work you can do for the world. As children, we inherited this template from our mothers of what it means to be a woman in society or a person, what is possible and what's impossible for us, what's expected and what is taboo or shouldn't be spoken about. This is a template that was downloaded into you by her mother, which was downloaded into her by her mother, etc., etc., like a Russian doll situation. These things are so unconscious that we don't even know they're there, even into adulthood, and they can sabotage us for years, and so many of us unconsciously pass them on to our children, which is my personal deepest fear. Healing the mother wound allows us to go from being a emotionally arrested adult child who's focused on keeping the peace to becoming a truly embodied and integrated adult, a seeker, a healer, a truth teller. Embarking on the journey of healing the mother wound can help you commit to breaking the cultural and familial chains of patriarchy that causes so many of us across the gender spectrum to make ourselves feel small and to commit to the emergence of our full potential in this life. If you've made it this far into the episode, I just wanted to take a moment to recognize how hard this work is. It's likely that listening to this has 
given rise to a lot of emotions. Some of them you may not have looked at or thought about for a really long time. And some of them you may not have been aware of at all. For the final half of this episode, I thought I would try something a little bit different and put together a few techniques that have been helpful for me when moving through some of these huge emotions and really tender spots that are so common to all of us. And as you continue listening, I urge you to remember that you are your own best advocate. Listen to your body if something feels like it's too much to handle right now and you need to step away to take care of yourself. You can absolutely do that and return back later when you're ready. The first half of the podcast that you've listened to up to this point is more mental. We're processing all of this intellectually, understanding the concepts and sure there are feelings involved but this second half is going to be a little more meditative and more experiential bringing more of your senses into the mix because i believe the balance of those two things is where some shifts can really start taking place consciously so if you haven't already done so Find a place that is quiet where you can become comfortable, whatever that looks like for you and where you won't be disturbed. And if that means you need to pause the episode for now and return when you can have a bit more alone time, that's okay too. What I'm going to do is guide you through a relaxation process that was inspired by the philosopher Alan Watts. It will give you time to settle in, relax, and get into a more meditative state. Then we're going to be walking through some reparenting affirmations that should resonate with you pretty deeply. We'll also be walking through a little bit of age regression work and some inner infant style meditations that were massively influenced by the work of John Bradshaw, who I'm very, very grateful to. I'm just mixing all of these things up in my own special recipe because these are the types of resources that took me a really long time to find in my recovery journey. And I've also never been able to find a place where they're actually spoken out loud in a more modern context and all together in one place because I found that these specific visualizations were really helpful with the mother wound. Know that the sounds and tones, music, anything that you hear has been consciously chosen. So try to go with it and allow the different sounds that I've chosen to guide you through the experience.
Begin by closing your eyes. The easiest way to get into the meditative state is to begin by listening. If you simply close your eyes and allow yourself to hear all the sounds that are going on around you, just listen to the general hum and buzz of the world as if you were listening to music. Don't try to identify the sounds you're hearing. Don't put names on them. Simply allow them to play with your eardrums and let them go. Let your ears hear whatever they want to hear. Don't judge the sounds. There are no proper sounds or improper sounds. It doesn't matter if somebody coughs or sneezes or drops something. It's all just sound. And if I'm talking to you right now and you're doing this, I want you to listen to the sound of my voice as if it were noise. Don't try to make any sense out of what I'm saying because your brain will take care of that automatically. You don't have to try to understand anything. Just listen to the sound. As you pursue that experiment, you'll very naturally find that you can't help naming sounds, identifying them, that you will go on thinking, that is to say, talking to yourself inside your head automatically. But it's important that you don't try to repress those thoughts by forcing them out of your mind because that will have precisely the same effect as if you were trying to smooth rough water with a flat iron. You're just going to disturb it all the more. What you're going to do is this. As you hear sounds coming up in your head, thoughts, you simply listen to them as part of the general noise going on. Just as you'd be listening to the sound of my voice, or just as you would be listening to cars going by, or birds chattering outside the window, or a wolf howling in the night. So look at your own thoughts as just noises. And soon you will find that the so-called outside world and the so-called inside world come together. They are a happening. Your thoughts are a happening just like the sounds going on in your ears now and everything is simply a happening and all you're doing is watching it. Now in this process another thing that is happening that is very important is that you're breathing 
And as you start meditation, you allow your breath to run just as it wills. In other words, don't do at first any breathing exercise, but just watch your body breathing breath just in the way that it wants to breathe. And notice the curious thing about this. You say in the ordinary way I breathe because you feel that breathing is something that you're doing voluntarily, just in the same way as you might be walking or talking. But you will also notice that when you're not thinking about breathing, your breathing goes on just the same. So the curious thing about breath is that it can be looked at as both a voluntary and involuntary action. You can feel on one hand that I'm doing it, and on the other hand, it's happening to me. And that's why breathing is a most important part of meditation, because it's going to show you, as you become aware of your breaths, that the hard and fast division that we make between what we do on the one hand and what happens to us on the other is arbitrary. So that when you watch your breathing, you will become aware that both the voluntary and involuntary aspects of your experience are all one happening. Now that may seem a little scary because you may think, am I just the puppet? of a happening, a mere passive witness of something going on completely beyond my control, or on the other hand, am I really doing everything that's going along? Well, if I were, I should be God, and that would be very embarrassing because I would be in charge of everything and that would be a terribly responsible position. The truth of the matter, as you shall see it, is that both things are true. You can see that everything is happening to you, and on the other hand, you are doing everything. For example, it's your eyes turning the sun into light. It's the nerve endings in your skin that are turning electric vibrations into air, into heat and temperature. It's your eardrums that are turning the vibration in the air into sound, and in that way, you are creating the world. But when we're not talking about it, when we're not philosophizing about it, then there is just this happening. This and we won't give it a name, and now then, when you breathe for a while, just letting it happen, and not forcing it in any way, you'll discover a curious thing, that without making any effort, you can breathe more and more deeply. In other words, supposing you're simply breathing out, and breathing out is important because it's the breath of relaxation, so when you're breathing out, you get the sensation that your breath is falling out. Dropping, dropping, dropping out. 
with the same sort of feeling you have as if you're sitting down into an extremely comfortable bed and you just get as heavy as possible and let yourself go and you let your breath go out in just that way and when it's thoroughly and comfortably out and feels like coming back in again you don't pull it back in you let it fall back in letting your lungs expand, expand, expand until they feel very comfortably full you wait a moment let it stay there and then once again you let it fall out and so in this way you'll discover that your breath gets quite naturally easier and easier slower and slower and more and more powerful so that with these various aids listening to sound listening to your own interior feelings and thoughts just as if there were something going on not something that you were doing but just happenings and watching your breath as a happening that is neither voluntary nor involuntary you are simply aware of these basic sensations then you begin to be in a state of meditation don't hurry anything don't worry about the future don't worry about what progress you're making just be entirely content to be aware of what is self-compassionate inner reparenting is an approach to remother the inner child when we practice self-compassionate reparenting we identify and provide for the unmet needs of our childhood this allows us to grow into more complete life-loving human beings self-reparenting rescues us from being needlessly frozen in the old childhood fear and deprivation when we understand how childhood abuse and neglect left us developmentally arrested empathy naturally arises and motivates us to care for and protect ourselves as this occurs we commonly discover that our maturation process was suspended at various different stages of development and that we have a number of inner children waiting for our kindness and protection among these inner children is the inner infant these different phases are important to differentiate because children have different needs at different developmental stages and these correspond with a variety of reparenting tasks many survivors are uncomfortable with the inner child because they were forced at an early age to become miniature adults and to hate their inner childlike characteristics as much as their parents did 
Survivors who do not like their inner children, or children at all for that matter, are often those who were not liked as children. Many of us were so traumatized for being and acting childlike that we had to move from toddlerhood to adulthood in astoundingly brief periods of time. Various combinations of shame, punishment, and abandonments forced us to forfeit childhood and act like grown-ups even before we were ready for school. The most universally disowned self in our civilized world is the vulnerable child. Yet this vulnerable child may be our most precious subpersonality, the closest to our essence, the one that enables us to become truly intimate with ourselves and others, to fully experience ourselves and others, and to love. Remothering yourself begins with forgiving your inner child. It sometimes seems outlandish to me that we need to forgive the children in us that were so innocent and undeserving of blame. What a cruel irony that we need to forgive the blameless. Yet we must let our inner child know that we forgive them. Because, like our parents, we have been blaming since the beginning of time. Real forgiveness begins with the self. Forgiving our inner child is a powerful avenue into self-forgiveness. When we learn to forgive the child we once were for what they didn't know or couldn't do or couldn't copy or felt it didn't feel. When we understand and accept the child was struggling to survive the best way they could, then the adult self is no longer an adversarial relationship to the child self. One part is not at war with another part. Next, we're going to be moving into a short age regression. Continue sitting or laying quietly and become aware of your surroundings. Locate yourself in space and time. Feel your back and sits bones touching the chair you're sitting in or feel the weight of your body wherever you may be laying. Feel the clothes on your body. Hear as many different sounds as you can hear. Feel the air in the room. And just for now, there's no place you have to go and nothing you have to do. Just be here now. And you can close your eyes if you haven't already done so. And just become aware of the breath. 
concentrating on breathing through the nose if that's comfortable for you feel the air as it comes in and as it falls out be aware of how it feels in your nostrils as you breathe in and as you breathe out and if you have interrupting thoughts that's okay Remember, they're just a happening. Notice them as if they were clouds going across the sky. The important thing is to just notice them and allow them to pass by. And as you continue breathing, you can hold on to your consciousness as much as you want. Or you can let go. Let go in ways that allow you to relax. You learn to hold on and let go when you were a child. Somehow, you always just simply knew when to hold on and when to let go. You learn the perfect balance when you learn to breathe as an infant. You learn to breathe in and you hold on long enough to oxygenate all of your blood cells and then you learn to let go and feel all the air go out. And as an infant, you learned how to feed from either your mother's breast or a bottle. And as you let go, you tasted the warm milk. You soon learned to hold on to your own bottle and then let it go when you're finished. And you learn to hold on to the side of your crib and to let go when you're ready to lie back down. So if you think about it, you really do know how much to hold on. And how much to let go. And you can trust yourself. You know how to find just exactly what you need for you. And now you may be feeling a little heaviness in your eyelids. You can just let them close. You may feel some heaviness in your jaw and in your arms and your hands. You might feel like you can't even move your hands. And you might feel like there's a heaviness in your legs and feet. Or you might feel the opposite, like your whole body is floating. 
like your hands and your arms are like feathers. You really know what you feel. Heaviness or lightness. And whatever that is, is exactly right for you. And now you can begin experiencing some childhood memories. You can remember your first days of school. And your best friend in those days. You can remember a kind teacher or neighbor. And you can remember a house you lived in before you went to school. What color was that house? Was it an apartment? condo, a trailer. Maybe you struggled to find a home. Did you live in the city? In the country? Now that you can really envision this place that you lived before school, maybe you can see some of the rooms. Where did you spend most of your time in this place? Did you have a special room? A special spot? Where was the dinner table? See who's at the dinner table. What did it feel like to be at that table? What did it feel like to live in that place? Now imagine or remember the house you lived in when you were born. Imagine the room where you slept after you were born. It doesn't matter if it's perfect, just have something in your mind. Really imagine this room. See the beautiful infant you were. Hear your voice as you cry and giggle and laugh. Imagine you could pick your cuddly self up. You're there as a wise and gentle friend. You're viewing your own infancy. Who else is there? Your mom, your dad. What does it feel like to be born into this house, to these people? Now imagine you are that precious tiny infant looking out at all of this. Look up at the grown-up you 
see yourself as this magical person, this friend, or just yourself. Feel a presence of someone who loves you. Now imagine that that grown-up has picked you up and held you. Hear them tenderly tell you the following affirmations. Welcome to the world. I've been waiting for you. I'm so glad you're here. I've prepared a special place for you to live. I like you just the way you are. I won't leave you no matter what. Your needs are okay with me. I'll give you all the time you need to get your needs met. I'm so glad you are who you are. I want to take care of you and I'm prepared to do that. I love spending time with you. In the entire world, there's never been another just like you. You are a good person. I love who you are and I'm doing my best to always be on your side. You can come to me whenever you're feeling hurt or bad or alone. You don't have to be perfect to get my love and earn my protection. All of your feelings are okay with me. They're never too much. I'm always glad to see you. It's okay for you to be angry and I won't let you hurt yourself or others when you are. You can make mistakes. They are your teachers. You can know what you need and ask for help. You're allowed to have your own preferences and tastes. You can choose your own values. You can pick your own friends and you don't have to like everyone. You can sometimes feel really confused and that's okay. I'm still proud of you. I'll always keep you feeling safe and when I don't, just let me know. It's okay to have all of your feelings. It's okay for you to be angry. You can have your own likes and dislikes and they don't have to be the same as mine and I won't get mad at you for it. You can be who you really are and express what you really feel when you're with me. You can achieve anything you want in this life. You were born to shine. You're valuable to me 
and I'm so proud of you. You're here for a reason. Just stay focused on your purpose. Keep going. I believe in you. Be proud of where you came from. You are my greatest gift. You are special. You are the prize. There's nothing you can do that will make me stop loving you because you are love. Taking the seat of your own healthy, good enough mother for the purpose of this message I'd like to deliver some truths to you. Your precious inner child is beautiful but they were wounded. They carry induced shame. That shame-based part of you has probably done many things you're not proud of and feel genuine guilt about. Your conscience is constantly calling you to relive and become aware again of the immoral or hurtful things that you think you've done. These behaviors are a part of you and you can't be whole if you continue to try to block them out. For now, I'm going to invite you back into the room. Wiggle your fingers, wiggle your toes. Give yourself a lot of grace for what you just did because it's a lot of work. If you have a lot of emotions coming up, that's completely normal and understandable. Emotions might have risen to the surface that you've suppressed for a long time. You may have become aware of feelings you weren't previously conscious of. And throughout these processes, you can go through these meditations as many times as you need to to process this. You might feel compelled to vocalize and yell and scream and cry. You might feel compelled to get up and move around and shake and punch a pillow. Do whatever you need to do as long as you keep yourself safe and other people safe, of course. The version of the episode you're hearing now is the shortened, condensed mother wound healing journey that I've prepared. My premium submarines who are amazing individuals that are a part of the premium BFTB community will gain access to the full episode and that will include part three which I've titled Healing the Mother Wound. We begin by diving into the divine mother and myth through the exploration of Demeter and Persephone and then we will explore the mother wound's power and how we can really harness the power of emotional alchemy by exploring these unconscious archetypal energies through myth, mysticism, symbolism, and philosophy, which is the modern hero's journey. 
So I would love for you to join us on this third half for premium subscribers. So if you'd like to unlock the full episode, you can do so by clicking the link in the episode description, which you can find in your podcast player that you're listening to right now. And also in that episode description, you'll be able to become a premium submarine. And by becoming a premium submarine, you're going to unlock 110 plus hours of bonus content of Back from the Borderline. You can join the Patreon community where other submarines just like you are discussing the episodes with one another and you will gain access to my monthly sonar system mailer which has all of my different references and books that i'm reading each month it's a really thriving community so i'd love to welcome you into the fold in that episode description you're also going to find links to the various sources that were referenced in today's episode highly recommend supporting and looking into the work of bethany webster and one last huge shout out to various different incredible pioneers of the world of self-help and recovery and psychology like Virginia Satir and John Bradshaw and philosopher Alan Watts and all of the wise people I've come across in my healing journey from complex trauma whose work has contributed to the healing and visualization parts of this episode. So I look forward to welcoming you to the premium submarines, but if not, thank you for being here with me today. There's a lot of content that you can choose and you chose to be here with me. So thank you for that. Take care of yourself. Take care of your inner mother, your vulnerable inner child. Give yourself some grace. Take it easy because this was a a tough episode. And if you're not able to join the premium submarines and you've appreciated this episode and it's helped you, there's lots of ways that you can support my work without any kind of monetary show of support. You can share this episode with someone you think it could help. That's a really good way of spreading this healing and awareness all around. You can rate and review my work. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at Back From The Borderline, and you can heal your mother wound. That also helps me, because you doing that helps me. It helps the whole collective. It helps all of us. So thank you for having the bravery to show up for yourself today, and for me, and for everyone around you. And until then, I'll see you right back here next Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Back from the Borderline. If you'd like to receive my monthly written recovery musings via Substack directly to your inbox, send me a voicemail, join the Patreon community, or check out my Amazon booklist recommendations, visit backfromtheborderline.com and click to access my link tree.